Recognizing at a tender age, she wasn't quite like other children. A young girl grows up to find comfort and normalcy in the regulated world of a convenience store and stays for 18 years, unaware of her family and friends' desire to see her move on and start a more traditional life. The woman, <laughs> Kegel, the book Convenience Store Woman. And you're listening to Lit Society. Let's, Let's get, get lit today. Lit. Look at you non-conforming. <laughs> Hi, readers. This is Kari. No, it's not. <laughs> oh, wait, I'm Kari. what? <laughs> My notes are <laughs> Oh yeah. I skipped right over my name and went to your name. <laughs> what is your name? Wait. Um, what? Alexis. <laughs> yeah. And this is Kari, for real. <laughs> I was looking at you saying, um Girl, I'm gonna do my name. <laughs> Just waiting That's for fine. Yeah, okay. Never mind. I'm not explaining <laughs> nothing else to you. Okay. This is this is the morning. Can't be asking people to use their oh brain at this hour. <laughs> it's hilarious. All right, Kari. So I'm on to my question that I like to ask you. What did you do for fun this week? Or and or one thing you did for self-care? Yeah, well, I did a couple of things for fun this week that I also feel like uh, were part of some self-care. I'll say three things. First of all, I bought a Ooh. whole <laughs> I bought a whole bunch of oils that I'm going to use for uh, my skin regimen at night. Okay. Um, and I have a new regimen based on a YouTuber whose name I don't remember, but it involves a lot of toning. Um, I decided to stop being cheap, although I am still using baking soda as a face scrub because Queen Latifah says she did that like when I was a little girl. And I was like, well, that's what I'm going to do because Queen Latifah looked great. And so I'm always and she still look great. <laughs> I think so. So, um, <laughs> but what does that do? I, I've not heard. Yeah, that before. so it's it's one part baking soda, three parts water, and it's just your face scrub, and you can just rub that into your face for oh, thirty minutes to yeah, for thirty seconds to a full minute, um, or even a little longer if you want. Being careful not to cause like any um, breaks in the skin. You don't want to be rubbing that hard, but it's a powder. It's a coarse powder, and so that's better for you than like walnut pieces that were in those St. Ives scrubs that were popular when we were in school. I don't know if that was true for you. Uh, not true for okay, me. Okay, it's fine. <laughs> but that's just cutting your face up, which I get because then your face has to heal itself and those new cells are younger looking. But long story short, I bought some oils for my skin and I'm going to try a new skincare regimen, which I'm excited about. Um, I also picked up salt, fat, acid, heat, which you can see here. <laughs> Yes. This is sis. thick. This is a lot of words. So I'm it really is. nervous. Don't be nervous. Don't be nervous. <laughs> it's more fun. It's more fun. Dig in. It's fun. Yeah, well, it looks cool. So I'm excited about that. Thank you for pushing me to read outside of my comfort zone. <laughs> and this really is like a huge novel of a book. I hope it it's is. a recipe in it. They say it's a cookbook. 
I ain't seen like no recipes. But um, and then lastly, I joined an audio based social media platform um, who doesn't pay us. So I'm not going to mention them by name. But I've been um, listening to a few seminars that I found very helpful for marketing, real estate and podcasting things I'm okay. interested in. Pretty cool. Um, Pretty cool. And I may host a how to start a podcast seminar on there in the near future. So stay tuned. What about you? What have I'm you done for it. fun? And what have you done for self-care this week? Okay, well, you know, I like um, the grocery store. Did you know I really enjoy the grocery store? <laughs> That's where most of your money go. I know that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, I did not go, but <laughs> I did. I did order online and I spent $100. That's your but, average. Mm-hmm. But I haven't been um, grocery shopping like that. So this was like, ah, built up, you know need to be in a grocery store kind of shopping and I got a few things so I can try a couple new dishes and um I've I've been trying vegan cheeses so I um I tried um you know that recipe that's been hitting the the internet oh yeah yeah you sent me Um, photos it looked amazing it's like a pasta cheese Yeah. yeah the feta cheese with tomatoes and throwing some pasta I did that and I did it with vegan um, vegan cheese, vegan feta, but now I'm going to do it with the regular feta and the regular pasta. So I'm looking forward to making that. And then a couple other new dishes that I want to try. And then, um, the thing I did for self care is I went to bed at 845 oh, one day this week. <laughs> and I tell you, I slept so well, slept really well. So. Good for you, girl. Yeah. You know, um, that reminds me of a thing a friend of ours told us or reminded me of is to still stock your home with enough food to last you at least a week. Um, yep. So um, those staples like chicken broth, vegetable broth, maybe tomato paste that you can use to make um, large dishes and then freeze them because we don't know what the future holds. So, um, you know, if we're ever stuck again and people are rushing out to the supermarket, we can make sure we have toilet paper and food. And I'd be caught off guard again. So I love that about you. You always stay prepared. (laughs) (laughs) Why, thank you. Mm -hmm. Now it's time for Society Says, where we share your comments with the rest of our lit society. Kari, is there a comment you thought particularly lit? Absolutely, Alexis. This week, I'm going over to YouTube to read a comment left for us by Patty Rattery. And she says, I love this. Alexis laugh was always contagious through the podcast when I listen, but watching her on screen was even better. You're both beautifully, (laughs) beautiful, joyful people. I'm going to beg you both to please make more videos of your podcast episodes, please. Por favor. This made me so happy. You ladies are the best. By far one of the best podcasts out there. What? Patty love us. Oh, Patty, I appreciate that. We love you too. Like in real life. We love you. Like Like for real, for real. (laughs) I love it. I love it. Thank you so much. That makes me feel good. And this is from our uh, Long Bright River episode where we were honored to interview the author, Liz Moore. What about you, Alexis? Did you have a comment you'd like to share? I do. I do. This is from Apple Podcasts and the... um, Coming is from Grand Bear. They said, I've tried a few book podcasts and this is by far the best one. I love the theme discussion and deep dive in each episode. The episodes feel like they just fly by. Death recommend. Smiley face. Thank you, Grand Bear. We appreciate that. We love that support. 
Yeah, thank and you guys. that you identified our different segments. That's what I appreciate. <laughs> and that you said you like them. I, thank you so much. Oh, thank you so much. Uh, remember, readers, to have your comments shared, message us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, or, and we especially love it when you do this, <laughs> leave us a review on Apple Podcast. Each week, Readers, we select a theme to discuss inspired by the book that we're reading. This week's theme is, do you love what you do? Do you? Harry, do you remember your first job? Yes, Popeye's chicken. Popeye's chicken. Oh, you know what I was thinking? I was thinking your first job was when you were waiting tables. I can't think of the name of the restaurant. But now I do remember Popeye's chicken. Yes. What made you work at Popeye's chicken? I wanted a job. I wanted my own money. And a friend of ours was like, I could get you in at Popeye's. And they did. (laughs) And it was the most bizarre job I've ever had in my life. They would, was it so bizarre? They would light up in the lobby one time. Okay, so I uh, worked walking distance from my home, but they would like pressure you into working. So like this job did teach me to be um, always willing to lose your employment for your standards. (laughs) For real, for real. Oh, that's a thing. And never say, well, my job made me, my job made me. No, you agreed to it. Because you succumb to the pressure of whatever your job asked, you know, put on you. Mm -hmm. Um, So they would pressure me to work really, really late. Um, Some of the managers had a problem. Oh, can I say this about a chain? Well, it was true. They were flirtatious. I think Um, that was very common. Um, Well, I've never worked in fast food, but I think that's very common in the workforce. Oh, yeah. Well, sure. Um, And one coworker, they even like, touched her so um she like quit she was great um mm-hmm, <laughs> b- mm-hmm. or they would steal from you and tell you your drawer was short <laughs> now that how that my drawer sounds... short only on your shift mm. wow um, so okay. they so back to the fact that i worked close but because i would work so late i asked my manager um a woman to take me home one day. And she was like, sure, for real. I live so close. Why not? She passed my house, went past my hood to a gas station. Whenever you, well, it used to be whenever you saw kids riding bikes. I hope I'm not making it hot. At the gas station late at night, they were selling drugs. (laughs) (laughs) Why did she drive past your home? (laughs) Yes. And your neighborhood. Also a little thing. Um, second locations in general are like even kids know never to go to a second location. Hey, y'all, I'm going to try to tie this into everyday life. If you get kidnapped, never try to try your best never to go to a second location. Make a scene wherever they trying to pick you up at. Fall out, you know, That's start drooling, like do whatever mm-hmm. you got to do to not go to a second location. But this manager pulled up to a gas station with a, a little boy on a bike. It was probably midnight. Um, and she asked for somebody. He was like, yeah, but you got to follow me to this house. So I'm like 15, 16. I'm like, not a second location. <laughs> and so she you had did. Already she with me in the car. She oh, drove to that house. How was your, oh, was your manager though? How old was it, your manager? Oh, I don't know. You know, when you 15, everybody 40. Yeah. She might've okay. been, you know, 25 or something. 
She but yeah, she 30. bought her drugs, then drove back to my neighborhood, which was where the Popeyes was to <laughs> drop me off at home. It was wild. Did she tell you she no, was taking you? If she would have told me, I'd have walked. <laughs> she. So she uh, kidnapped you. Yes. <laughs> and she took you to I multiple went to the locations. Location. I was the dummy that should have got out the car instead of going to a second location. And she took you so you could be her support. I don't know what that was. F-15. I don't know what that was. Ooh. But looking back, that job was crazy. Wow. Mm-hmm. And also, you know, we made the best chicken in the world. So you take what you... I never got sick of Popeye's chicken. <laughs> People's like, you smell it all day, aren't you? No. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not. I'm not sick of Popeye's. So. Okay. Did that job have any impact on what you do now? No. <laughs> uh saving money i remember my first uh check maybe was ooh 150 or something uh-huh. and saving it at first i was like i'm never gonna cash this and then i was like i'm not even a <laughs> sentimental person and this is money so that's dumb <laughs> so I, said, I, I i'm gonna save this check like yeah frame i'm gonna frame it, it. my first yeah. check so i never forget you frame it the after struggle. you cash it okay yeah <laughs> yeah and for real, people work fast food because they have to. I was just doing it to have money for like makeup and sweaters. So <laughs> I wasn't hustling, you know, I was just f- f- entering the workforce or whatever. I just wanted to work. Always wanted to work. OK, um, so let's then fast forward to when you start working. Um, waitressing jobs. in high school. Well, right, no, right. to your um, a real per- jobs. I'm not. <laughs> Those even are real say jobs. That. I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm yeah, gonna I'm say that. Um, to your um profession that you do today. What is your? What was your first start there? Ooh, so in college, I started working as a um uh, exec for Visa, Mastercard processing for Fifth Third Bank. Mm-hmm. Um, Fifth Third that division was bought out by another bank, so I went to work in mortgage supervising for Wells for uh, Washington Mutual. This was like when all the banks were being gobbled up. Mm -hmm. And so that job was also dissolved. Wells Fargo bought it. Um, Our division um, kept some people. I was one of the people kept, but I just felt like this is going to end soon. So I moved to Chicago and started working for a Swedish company. Um, and then <laughs> they started laying people off. You guys, it's not my fault. Um, <laughs> and uh, fortunately, I was married to someone who was like, I was an office manager at the time then. And that's not what I wanted to do. That's not even my skill set, as we learned in that quiz you made me take. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> I just started getting serious about writing um, freelance. And so I started copywriting work um, freelance. I would find people or I would find clients through. How did I do that? Oh, I wish I could state some sources, resources. I mean, I did do some things on Fiverr, but that's just the money wasn't big enough. And then um, Elance, I think, or Upwork, one of them. And so then I started soliciting bigger projects um, using what I had already written to build my portfolio. Mm -hmm. Um, I started writing packaging copy, still freelance. And the problem with freelance is taxes and also um, Mm -hmm. you're chasing your money. So Mm -hmm. it's hard when you start out to tell people you got to pay up front because they're like, please, you 
you should be happy to get this job. And inside, <laughs> you like, I am. <laughs> but also, I need money. It's true. <laughs> so you like chasing money as much as you're writing. And that mm-hmm. for a creative um, career is distracting. Because you, you you lose motivation when you know they ain't even going to pay you on time. Ooh, so <laughs> but, that's a possibility? <laughs> <laughs> but I did that for five years. Oh, I had wow, a travel okay. uh blog chicago wings chicago wings um and west i don't even called? know today <laughs> it's still around i still pay my uh domain fee um and then i um began working for uh uh how do you say like a temp agency mm-hmm. as a copywriter for different um companies and then i was picked up by uh, i forgot the name of that company it's big to Meredith, I think, but they oh. do, they do like, um, home magazine, home and garden oh, okay. and parent magazine mm-hmm. and stuff. Oh, um, they're like the big brand behind all of those. Exactly. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. But you can also hire a division to do your copywriting, which is what crafted. Okay. But then they were bought out <laughs> by Dang. a Brazilian company and they became Kraft <laughs> Heinz and got rid of their contractors, which is normal. You know that when you're a contractor, like mm-hmm. you're going to be the yep. first to go. And they Always. also got rid of their own, a and lot of their marketing. own people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Contractors and marketing. Yeah. Oh, yep. Contractors and marketing. Mm-hmm. Both what I do. So <laughs> I'm always the first to go. <laughs> um, not always. I will say that. But yeah, uh, it comes with the job. And then I mm-hmm. settled where I am now. And I've been there for been here for five years. Marketing. Now, they so. Not so much the company you work for, the but the work that you do. Do you love the work that you do? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I do. And and what what made you come to love it? How did you get there? Um, just having something that I'm good at and that I can get better at. So just mm. feeling very competent in my role, and then. Um, receiving consistent training that makes me better and learning from mentors. Um, As far as writing is concerned, I remember sitting at a table with a chef um, during a press event Mm -hmm. and I was telling him about something I was working on. And he was like, well, you know, he was trying to tell me, you might not know who I am, but I'm a big deal. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, You could just send me your writing and I'll take a look at it. And I was like, what? For real? You know, and not to stereotype, but, you know, for a, um established um old white man to tell you that he'll seriously look at your probably work. mediocre mm-hmm. work. <laughs> that's um that's really unexpected. <laughs> I won't say it's a big deal, but it was definitely unexpected. And yet okay. it, it is a big deal. You're right. Yeah. It's um, a kind thing to do. So, yeah, um, I really am grateful for the people who took time with me when they didn't have to. Oh, that that's um really that's really good, and I'm glad to hear that you like the work that you do. That's a big deal because a lot of times, you know, people are in jobs that they don't actually enjoy doing them, but they're doing them to um, satisfy. And I, for one, am one of those people. I don't necessarily enjoy what I do, and I learned that last year, <laughs> as the um the language is. I wasn't living in my truth. Okay. Girl, I found out I wasn't living in my truth and that was revealed on to me. <laughs> and that was a big deal. LLC Twitter. 
And now I aspire to live in my truth at some point. <laughs> but there's no shame to working to make money. That's why we work. Mm-hmm. I don't think you have to always find happiness in what you do. I know that's the goal for a lot of people, but I think the goal should be to make money. <laughs> so listen, my aunt told me at a young age, she said, if you're going to do something for eight hours, you might as well enjoy it. So and I've I've um I've had that, you know, that's kind of one of the things that I've had with me throughout life is the um idea that I should enjoy what I do. And um but I do understand the idea of making money. I I can make that adjustment, you know. I, yeah. I can learn to do the work and um because there's some aspects about the job that I do appreciate, you know. Mm-hmm. That otherwise, if I didn't, I would just stop and move on. You know what I mean? All yeah. together. And you work. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. I was going to say you work with a group. One thing about freelance is you don't have peers to learn from. Mm-hmm. Even um, coworkers you might not get along with. I've often found that I can still learn something from the people I'm working with. Absolutely. I might not like 80 percent of their personality, but 20 percent I can actually make my own skill set. You know, maybe they're huge sticklers when it comes to details. I can right. be more like that, too. Right. Um, things like that. Yeah. You, you certainly can learn something no matter where you are in life. If you're unhappy in your job, you can learn to pull something of value from that. Your day is not wasted. And I thoroughly believe that. Um, I remember when I was in high school, I wanted to be a carpenter. I wanted to go through carpentry classes. I went to a technical school and I was really excited about it. Um, the work that we did in the um, the shop classes, I, I was just, I feel like I came alive there. But mm-hmm. I went to talk to my grandmother about, um, yeah, grandmother, I want to do this. I want to go into carpentry and make this a job for myself. And she was like, Girl, if you don't sit down, listen here, young lady, (laughs) you what you need to do is go to secretarial school because that is what women do. That's what she told me. She's coming from like the Mad Men era. Yes, that's the job women should have, secretaries and teachers. Mm -hmm. And then that was put on me continuously by other family members. Meanwhile, um, your cool mama is like, girl, nah, do carpentry if you want or whatever. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> but I listened to my mom. I listened to my grandmother. Yeah. And so that's where that not living in your truth does. Because what happened is I followed what my grandmother said. And there was always, look, the city has this test. Go take it. The um state has this test go take it and so I'm trying to jump in line what these um, adults are suggesting that is the best career goal for me and mm-hmm. I'm trying to follow that and so I've tried to follow that all my life um, and I feel like I've never been quite successful at it it's just something that I do and I of course I do the best that I I can at it to be the most um, successful I can be in those roles but it's there was never any real true passion associated with it. And I, and I always feel like that I'm missing that one piece because um, I've never felt like I'm at my full potential. So. And you've been told that, you know, if you're going to do something all day, it should be something. You yes. like. Meanwhile, I'm like, girl, you got a professional job in law. You need to calm <laughs> down. <laughs> I'm listening as a friend, as I have been. But on this show, I feel like I can finally tell you how I really feel. 
Y'all, Alexis has been saying this for a while now. It is top of mind. It Meanwhile, is. she it got is. one of the jobs that you see on like, you know, Joan on Girlfriends or somebody. No, her no. office her office was bigger than my whole house. Yeah, it was. It and, um, was. Okay, okay. And, um, you know, she's making the monies, but she she wants to find happiness in work. Because <laughs> that's the point of work. Damn. Pay me a happiness. You better get out of here. I can't retire on happiness. <laughs> I would take a little less happiness to make a little more money. I'm not that way. <laughs> and even if you're passionate about something. Oh, I remember writing and then yeah. turning in half of the project and the customer being like, you know, I was talking to my uncle who ain't even in the business. And he said this. So I would like to change everything. <laughs> Girl, what? <laughs> Who's your uncle? Your uncle yeah, work in construction. <laughs> See, he so, don't know this life. <laughs> so you never know that construction worker uncle might not be living in his truth and marketing might have been his thing oh yeah and then let me walk onto a construction site and tell them what they need to do because that's my passion you better get out of here we all need to just mind our business i hate it when people do that um or even with this podcast sometimes if like this morning we're both so tired Uh uh so it becomes a job and you enjoy it but every day you're not ecstatic about doing it and that's fine. And that's and and again, I that's okay. That's okay because <laughs> you can adapt, right? And you yeah. you find the good in the things that you do. So you're just and and when you stop finding the good in the things you do, then you switch jobs, right? You make I the think move. So. I believe in that. I believe yeah. in that. So the whole thing is the whole thing is Alexis wants y'all to find uh, your purpose in life and your job. And I'm here to tell you that ain't never going to happen. I don't now, care if you a, go I ahead. don't believe that. Never <laughs> going to happen. Go forth, Kyrie. Go forth. What were you going to say? Never going to happen. I don't think your fulfillment should ever be tied to your career. You can lose jobs. Jobs can come and go. The economy can be very volatile. Uh, who you are and the value you place on the work you do, your work and your job is not the same. Your work is the skill set that you have and how you translate that skill set into output. Um, but your job is just where you're doing that right now. So never can those should those two things um, become synonymous for us. So I can, work in our job. I can truly, truly appreciate what you're saying. Um, my job doesn't identify me. I am not this work that I do. No, I am a separate I person. <laughs> <laughs> I think we get it. <laughs> I am just outside of that. But we want I you to keep that office. job. So let's cut this conversation short. You're making me nervous. <laughs> friends, friends and readers. The point and co-workers. is. <laughs> Don't tell on her, please. She needs this job. She tripping. I do. I, and that's not what I'm saying. No, that's not what I'm saying. That's not what I'm saying. So Go the ahead, thing, y'all. I try. Y'all saw me try. I'm going to mute my mic. Go ahead. The thing is that you can look out. So you there's always room for side, side things to do. And so that's what I do. I have been able to step up. So when my nine to five ends, 
technically nine to five, you know, air quotes. Uh, well, Your my salary, to, you, you don't have nine to five. <laughs> when yeah. that ends, I can do other things that fulfill me. And, and that's the point. So again, even though that was told to me at a tender age and it was ingrained in me that I need to love the work that I do, I realize in my life that I don't. But if once I start losing, um, I'm going to say momentum or joy in the actual work that I do, then I, I, I think it's time to move on. I truly believe if that. If your job every day is to put one patch on a pair of jeans and you do this for 800 jeans a day, you are never like maybe, maybe on the surface, that's not a job that someone would find enjoyment with. But other people do. momentum. But yeah, your attitude can, Mm -hmm. maybe you can make a game out of it in your head or um, something like that to find the momentum you need or the joy you need. Attitude can be everything. Maybe you work in a convenience store and everyone's like, why you still work at (laughs) 7-Eleven? You're 35. And you're like, but I'm good at it. I'm good at it. Don't nobody bother me wrong with that i believe there is nothing wrong with honorable it's Mm -hmm. honorable to be that humble and to be in it just for the money (laughs) don't listen to me y'all obviously that's all i I, care about when it comes to work (laughs) i don't believe that (laughs) so you you see there are these two uh uh, differing viewpoints and that's okay that's okay um because i definitely feel like once you've um you can only do so much and when yeah. you're at a breaking point, it's time to go. That's I really believe that. And so do the best you can at whatever job you have, whether you're working at Popeye's chicken or whatever um, or the convenience store. Do the best job you have because there's always something you can learn from that job and then seek out other ways to satisfy that um um, enjoyment and, that passion yeah yep. and be Seek inspired out other ways mm-hmm, to be inspired and do the things that make you passionate so in the end you don't necessarily have to love the job you know the expression goes if you if you love oh if you love what you do you'll never work a day in your life yeah i've heard that <laughs> do you believe it though no <laughs> you can love what you do and it feel like work but are you getting paid though? <laughs> <laughs> then shut up, <laughs> man. You know how many people want money and people. just can't get it. Yes. Okay. I appreciate my job. I value my job. Is that what Alexis you want to hear me looking say? out on the lake at work like oh, I'm so unfulfilled. <laughs> I don't got time for people like that. <laughs> okay, you guys. And that Where is, is the end. office masseuse. <laughs> Where is the office? You know, they got masseuses to come into your office to help you relax. Y'all don't listen to Alexis. She having an early life crisis. I do like that uh, personality test you sent where you Uh can see your skills laid out. Uh I I mean, I would have loved to have done that and then tried to find a career in line with those skills uh, early on. Yeah. Then maybe I wouldn't end up at Popeye's, but whatever. I was like 15. (laughs) Yeah. I think that is something that would be helpful in like um, high high school, middle school, you know, early on, or even the strengths thing, even though you kind of develop them as you go along. But you can. Yeah, they change, right? Yeah. You could still take them maybe in high school. Before you start pursuing a major and wasting that money, and then your credits don't even transfer because you want to do something completely different. 
Yeah, that's yeah. it. That's it. I, 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 was that clear? Do I need to wrap something up some more? With a I had a good time. Okay. <laughs> okay. Well, <laughs> let's let's take a quick break, folks. Uh, share your thoughts. We'd love to hear from you. And um, yeah, are y'all job. fulfilled at work? Do you think you need to be? Mm-hmm. You know, use a code name though when you comment. <laughs> Uh, you can find us on Instagram. If you comment on Facebook, we ain't never going to see it. We already told y'all we don't even be over there. Um, also, Twitter is great. Okay. Yeah, it's but we'll find you. Don't worry. Share share your thoughts with us, okay? We'd love to hear from you. And on that note, we're going to take a quick break. Can you give us some context and background on our author, Sayaka Murata? Yes, I can. Born in Inzai, Japan in 1979. Uh, she was raised mostly in Tokyo. I think that her family moved there um, when she was like in middle school. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sayaka is a... Oh, have you looked up some stuff on her too? I have, I have. Oh, cool. Okay, okay. Thank you. So um, she's like a realistic version of today's protagonist <laughs> uh, with a few happy differences. For example, her mother actually nurtured her, pat- her passion. So after um, Sayaka attempted to write a novel in fourth grade by hand. In fact, I think she did write a um, novel uh-huh. longhand. Her mother bought her a word processor to like encourage her skill. Um, she'd also often read her mother and brother's mystery and fiction novels. Um, Sayaka often explores societal conformity in her novels, mm-hmm. whether these are based on um, gender roles, parenthood or career expectations, as we'll see today. Um, Convenience Store Woman is actually her 10th novel and the first to be translated in English. In 2016, it earned her the prestigious, um, I think it's called Akutagawa Prize. And she was named one of Vogue Japan's Women of the Year. Um, And then it was translated in English two years later, I think in 2018. Mm. And until recently, guess where she worked? convenience store. a convenience store yes yep mm-hmm. she had toiled um in convenience stores for like half her life because she loved the schedule it provided for her writing mm-hmm. the rhythm of going to work having that break in between writing going to work coming back home and writing she liked that it kept her going and she would get motivation from the shoppers and employees in the store um, those were th- the motivating real life personas for the characters in her books. Um, even after becoming a best selling author, she was working at a convenience store until obsessive fans was like, can I have a pack of gum? Oh, my goodness. Ayaka Maratha. <laughs> <laughs> and so she was like, I guess I got to quit my job. <laughs> she, <laughs> she was kind of disappointed. I thought it was interesting. The Guardian did um, like a profile on her. Mm-hmm. And they said um, Keiko, who is uh, 36, a virgin and uninterested in the bourgeois lives of her married peers. Keiko is the protagonist in our book today, excels at like the robotic service demanded by the industry's um, manuals. And that's that was a lot of um, Keiko's character, again, was informed by the author's real life. Mm -hmm. Um, And so that's what I have. She's very happy in a simple life. And she's often. probably 
Now, not so much because she's a celebrated author, but perhaps people in the beginning were like, why do you have that job? And you're a writer. Yeah. Ooh, mm-hmm. You'll never be successful. And look at her now. She's yeah. crazy successful. So what do you have on Sayaka Maratha? Well, I, not much. But what I did um, learn is that she's actually worked for a convenience store for 20 years. Wow. 20 years, which that's huge. And then I did a little um, research into convenience stores. So I thank didn't, you. Yeah, it's I like different. No, it was um an import from the US. It was a U convenience stores are an American import into Japan. And the first import was the 7 Eleven in 1974, followed by a Lawson's in 1975. And they do have some homegrown um in uh that I think they're called Family Mart. But They started having them in 1974, but they've expanded on the idea. You can find everything you need at a convenience store. toys, you know, everyday essentials, groceries. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yep. Meals for your family. Yeah. You know, and not and not like the hot dog that we have here or the fried bites we have here. They have whole meals that you could provide for your family. People rely on the convenience store. It's a very useful tool and the way it's regulated, it makes it a welcoming spot to be. So um, that's the convenience store. And our yeah, there's like a convenience store culture in yeah. like I know Korea, too. Um, yeah, they have awesome convenience stores. Yeah. And, and it's actually a tourist destination convenience stores for um, people. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's pretty cool. Anyway. Um, Thanks for sharing your comments, Kari. <laughs> Thank uh, you for supplementing them. Sure. I appreciate that. Now let's hear a brief synopsis without spoilers. This is for the 30-somethings that didn't turn out exactly how mom and dad wanted you to be. <laughs> Convenience store woman is the deadpan tale of one woman's happy life in a simple occupation before she's drawn to confusion and even despair at the hands of conformity-obsessed friends, family members, and strangers. Will she find her way back? Or will she end up a sandcastle washed away by the current of conventionality? For no reason, I threw like four Beyonce songs in there. Find them if you can. <laughs> so, Alexis, what did what were your first thoughts? What did you first think of Convenience Store Woman? So, you know, I got that um, notice that we were reading that book. And, you know, I don't really look into books a whole lot before I read them, um, like, any information, but I love the cover of the book. I, um, so the cover drew me in because I think on the cover is like her ID. Convenience store ID. Yeah. And so <laughs> really I'm well like, done. this is going to be a really clever book. So I look forward to reading it. So that's um, that drew me in right away. How about you, Kari? Who do you think would enjoy reading this book? I think if you like um, Joseph Gordon-Levitt uh, movies, if you love deadpan, kind of dark humor, um, I think I said his name right. But anyway, if you love that style and um, uh, like uh, dark humor that challenges the norms of society, fun stuff like that, then you'll love this book. Right. Cool. All right, Kari. Well, are you ready to take a deep dive into convenience store woman filled with spoilers? I am. All right, let's go. Okay, spoiler alert. We're going to spoil this book for you. Also, I haven't read this book in like three or four months. 
So let's hope I remember. Part one, a convenient clog in society. A convenience store is a world of sound, televisions, plastic bottles, etc. A multitude of sounds. Our protagonist, Keiko Furukura, is captivated by the sound, smells, and duties of her job in the convenience store. Um, now, a little background on her. She was born into a loving family, raised with love, but by the, um, the, the exact time that she was reborn as a convenience store worker is unclear in her mind. She doesn't remember a time when her regular life ended and her convenience store life began. She does, however, remember a time in nursery school when children were surrounding a dead bird in the park. She picked up the bird and ran to her mother and asked if they could eat it. I'm trying to give you some background on who she is, okay? She was like, why y'all looking at this dead bird? We could eat this. Another time, still school age, she stopped two boys from fighting by knocking one of them over the head with a shovel. They stopped, but people were mad. Her teachers and peers were horrified. And she was like, but we wanted them to stop. And now they stopped. So she's... mm -hmm. As far as she could tell, she was the only one who successfully stopped the fighting. She was proud of herself. (laughs) Yet another time, she stopped a teacher who was um, talking loudly, reprimanding the class by pulling down the woman's skirt and knickers in front of everyone. So all she can see is the problem and how to solve it quickly. She is a woman without nuance. Um, the teacher was so shocked, by the way, that she burst into tears. And um, Keiko was like, another successful mission. <laughs> Despite these episodes, her parents still love her. But she decides to stop speaking when possible because she notices that, you know, her parents and her sister are hurt uh, whenever she does anything. And so she's like, well, I'm just going to make myself small and not hurt anybody. Yeah, they um, don't. Her- they don't have the same reaction that she expects should occur. Like, <laughs> yeah. appreciation. A dead bird. I found food for the family. This woman won't stop screaming at the class. I got her to stop. These boys won't stop fighting. Now one of them is like, you know, barely conscious, but they're done fighting. <laughs> Yay. What's they don't wrong appreciate with her. So, yeah. This, uh, so her parents do still love her. Um, they did take her to a psychiatrist who advised them to just continue loving that weird little child. <laughs> and so they did. <laughs> Our protagonist, having successfully grown to adulthood, assumed that she was cured from whatever malady she suffered. Um, so how it started her life as a convenience store worker. She saw an ad for new convenience store uh workers needed and she answered she was hired on the spot while still at university this was the first place to teach her normal human facial expressions which she copied expertly so if if her boss would like smile and greet the customer she would smile and greet the customer if she saw her co-worker tilting her head to the side and touching her chin before answering a question then Keiko would do the same thing okay she was commended frequently by the manager like wow you show a lot of initiative and then she would copy the manager's facial expression and say thank you very much you know stuff like that (laughs) For the first time, she felt like a normal clog in the machine of society. And that's all she ever wanted to Mm -hmm. feel like. Mm -hmm. So that's how it started. How's it going? She's 36 now. She's been there for 18 years. And the store is now on its eighth manager. But Keiko's been there all along. 
None of the employees or goods that were there when she started remain. It's like the store also has been reborn and she finds poetry in that, that she's remained the same and everything around her changes. Her parents um, indulgently look on while she remains happily in a dead end job, according to them. And at one time, she even began mindlessly filling out job applications just to appease them. Um, but this job is the only way she can be a normal person in her mind, a normal mm-hmm. clog in society. Mm-hmm. Her only guide for how to be a normal person is the convenience store worker guide, <laughs> 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 like the handbook for new employees. She uses that to function through life. Everything she eats is from the convenience store. So it's like really a part of her. There is no separation between her and the store. (laughs) It's as if she's as much a part of the store as the magazine racks. And because the products in the store are always changing or being replenished, um, she's also always changing, even if she stays the same, as we said. Mm -hmm. Okay, so now you get how close Keiko is to this convenience store. Okay, part two, a convenient counterfeit. When not at the store, our Keiko makes genuine efforts to be a normal or cured person, right. cured from her oddness. Mm-hmm. Of course, she didn't make friends while in school because remember, she was bashing people over the head and pulling down teachers' knickers. <laughs> <laughs> but after attending an alumni meeting, she connected with Miho. Miho is normal, quote unquote. Yes, please say that. <laughs> Miho, her old classmate who she hangs out with sometimes now, enjoys friends, shopping and hosting parties for her friends at the secondhand house she owns with her husband. I thought that was a funny way to describe a house. (laughs) (laughs) Secondhand house. Um, Keiko attends these parties on her days off to practice the speech patterns and behaviors of Miho and Miho's friends. So she matches their inflections, enthusiasm about meaningless things and interest in the business of others. Keiko don't care about none of this, but she knows none of it. (laughs) If she's ever going to be cured in the minds of the people she loves, she's got to pretend. So she's learning how to pretend. Ultimately, she likes to mind her own business. She, She likes to mind her own business. She do. Also, in my opinion, Keiko is just like the truth in all of us. Do we really care about other people's no. business? Do we care about the meaningless things we talk about? <laughs> no, we're just trying to be normal. She, <laughs> it seems yeah. like we're supposed to care about this. So let's talk about yeah, it. Mm-hmm. We don't care. She also um, screams out in unpredictable intervals, like <sighs> a leftover of convenience store life where one is always greeting new customers. So if someone walks into the party, like if I'm at a party and Alexis walks in and I'm Keiko, I go, hello, Alexis. Thank you for coming to the party. <laughs> and Alexis is like, OK, girl. Also, Keiko <sighs> um, purposely duplicates the speech patterns, but they all copy the speech patterns of those they associate with. So she's not, she's a counterfeit as much as they all are. Don't we all talk like the people in our lives? I think it. it yeah. The longer we socialize with them. Yeah. We adapt our, our speech. I could think about when you and or excuse yeah, me. Yeah. I even think sister, I'm, mm-hmm. sometimes I'm listening to the show and I'm like, I sound like. Yeah, don't say her name. Yeah, don't. Trying to bust out your sister. No, we'll sh- call her AP. <laughs> Sometimes I'll be like, I sound just like AP right there. Or I sound just like another friend I got. Yeah. Uh, and we, yeah, we talk yeah, like yeah. I saw that a lot with um, you guys growing up. So, yeah. Yeah. Nice. So just like Keiko, mm-hmm. you know. Um, But Keiko is doing it on purpose. We do it mindlessly. <laughs> so, you know, 
Who's the counterfeit in that situation? <laughs> um, I love the way she explains speech patterns in this book. It's like an infection that spreads from person to person. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Keiko studied this group of normals and discovered a few things about them, by the way. First of all, the single humans seem only to be accepted if they're in the process of finding a mate or are on hold um, for an acceptable job. (laughs) She has done neither. Number two, those who have made it are only accepted if they have bred or are in the process of trying to reproduce offspring. So she's like studying people like um, uh, scientists would study tagged monkeys in the forest. Uh It amazes Keiko that people would rather she be unhappy in a relationship, Mm. which they could understand, than live a happy life as a convenience store worker, which they could never understand. Her happiness then was not their concern, but how well she fit into the norms of society. It was if when together they stopped being useful clogs in society and started being males and females, (laughs) like just a species. They're Mm. not useful They're just males and females and everything they think about and do is based on that gender role. And uh, Keiko uh, aspires to be useful. She and she is. All she wants to do is be useful. That's why she hit that little boy over the head with a shovel. That's why she brought that dead bird to her mom. And that's why she pulled down that teacher's pants. She wanted to be useful in the moment. Contributing. Remember the teacher was screaming at the kids. You know, she just wanted her to stop. Mm -hmm. Keiko dismisses their insistent like questioning uh, with excuses handed to her by her sister, Mommy. So Mommy really loves her. I think older sister Keiko is. I think so. The older sister. I think Mommy's the younger sister. Oh, no, I thought it was the other way around. Okay. Okay, so I don't know. We don't Um, know. But but Mommy's like, when they ask you this, say this. Because she wants Keiko to be happy and she can't imagine Keiko's happy now. You're saying Mommy. Is it Miho? No, Miho's the friend, but Mommy's the sister. Her name is Mommy? Yeah, okay. M-A-M-I. Okay. Um, so her sister, Mommy, hands her these like excuses to give to Miho and Miho's friends and to everyone really who asks her. For example, excuses like, I'm weak <laughs> and, and perhaps hint at a vague chronic condition. And, and so that's why I can't work and I have to work in a convenience store. And then people are like, oh, oh, you're weak. Yes, yes. <laughs> um, or if they go, you know, Keiko, why aren't you married? Then go, I was in a relationship, but I'm not a good judge of men. <laughs> and then people are like, oh, yes, I can understand that. Oh, wow. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Speaking of her sister, Keiko's sister, mommy, has always been kind to her, even when they were little. In her sister's mind, Keiko is being rehabilitated. She just needs time to be cured. Um, It's mommy's hope that one day her sister will be normal, like truly normal. And mommy recently had a baby. So Keiko thinks to herself how her nephew is an animal, no different than any other animal. Meanwhile, mommy is like, one day Keiko too will have a baby and a husband in a secondhand house. And then she, Keiko said, um, going to see my friend's baby is the same as seeing your baby. It's no different. <laughs> a baby is a baby. It's for no real. Different. For real. Why do I have to see your baby? I just saw Miho's baby yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> it's hilarious. Three, I'm kind of like Keiko on that. Like until they get about three or four. Yeah. They're all the same. Exactly. Um, when they can talk back and have a thought. That's when Engage they get interested. Engage me at that time, please. Yes, yes. Come back when you can form full sentences. Part three, a convenient companion. Enter 
Shiraha, a new hire at the convenience store. He's lazy. He's haughty. He's always late. He's on his phone all the time. He lacks initiative in a sharp contrast to Keiko, who approaches each task with heartfelt enthusiasm. But Saraha is not without his beliefs, namely (laughs) (laughs) convenience store work is for women who, by design, are programmed to keep up the home while the men look for food. To this, Keiko retorts, this is the 21st century. In the store, we aren't men and women. We're workers. It's like, wow, Kiko got her beliefs too. Okay, don't mess with Kiko. She does. One day, the managers are discussing Sharaha. Why did he even take this job? They only hired him, by the way, because they were short staffed. But then they're looking at him like, why'd you accept? You hate it here and you're useless. By the way, Sharaha yeah. is 35. So the managers are like, obviously, he took a job at a convenience store because he's a dead ender a burden on society. He couldn't get any other job. They hired him. Okay. And this is how they talking about him. All adults should fulfill their role to society, either through work or family. Duh. And then they will look at Keiko and be like, Oh, but not you Keiko. Cause you're weak. (laughs) (laughs) Keiko is an exception. They say, because she has some vague physical condition that makes her too weak for any other job. You know what's so funny? This is how we think. It is. This is truthfully it is. how we think. Oh, Look how is. odd people are. Mm-hmm. Oh, we're so weird. <laughs> um, Sharaha believes the job to be below him. And he says so openly and often. Keiko is used to hearing people put down convenience store work. And she responds to, um, to all the criticism in the same way. When you work in a convenience store, people often look down on you for working there. I find this fascinating. And I like to look them in the face when they do this to me. And as I do so, I always think, that's what a human is. And sometimes, even those who are doing the same job are biased against it. Before I knew what I was doing, I looked Shiraha in the face. I find the shape of people's eyes particularly interesting when they're being condescending. I see a wariness or a fear of being contradicted or sometimes a belligerent spark ready to jump on any attack. And if they're unaware of being condescending, their glazed over eyeballs are steeped in a fluid mix of ecstasy and a sense of superiority. I looked into Sharaha's eyes. There I saw only prejudice in its simplest form. As if sensing my gaze on him, he opened his mouth to speak, revealing the yellow roots of teeth that were black in places. He obviously hadn't been to the dentist for a long time. Who is he to throw his weight around anyway? He went on. He's only employed to run a small store like this. So he's basically a loser, isn't he? He's so useless. They were harsh words, but he muttered them so quietly, I somehow didn't get the feeling he really was all that angry. From where I stood, there were two types of prejudiced people. Those who had a deep-rooted urge for prejudice and those who unthinkingly repeated a barrage of slurs they'd heard somewhere. Shiraha appeared to be the latter. He carried on muttering at speed, now and then fumbling his words. Everyone here is a stupid loser. It's the same in any convenience store. You only find housewives who can't get by on their husband's salary, job hoppers without plans for the future, and the crappiest students who can't get better jobs like being a home tutor or foreigners who send money home. All losers. I see. He really was just like me, uttering words that sounded human when really he wasn't saying anything at all. But he sure did seem to like the word loser. 
He'd used it several times in no time at all. I recalled how Shigara had said, Shiraha gives me the creeps, especially the way he's so adept at spouting excuses when what he really wants is to slack off. I nodded. Then a simple question occurred to me. So I put it to him. Why did you come to work here, Shiraha? Marriage hunting, he said, as if it were no big deal. Shiraha is only here to find a wife to support him while he starts his online business. The problem with women, he reasons, is that their brains are prehistoric and they only go for men that appear to be the biggest and the strongest. So women are the problem, not me. That's how he feels. So anyway, he's fired. (laughs) Not because he's useless, but because he starts stalking one of the women who shops in the store. He's also kind of dark, you guys. He copies her phone number and tries to find out where she lives. Creepy. Yeah. And so when the manager finds out, he fires Shiraha. It comes out that he's tried to get with all the employees. All the employees are like, yeah, and he tried to get my number. He should, even, everybody except Keiko. <laughs> even the married ones. Even the married ones. But nothing made him ever talk to Keiko like that. Okay. And so after finding success with, or not finding success with everyone except Keiko, he moved on to the customers. <laughs> All the employees are relieved when he's gone. And we're laughing, but for real, a coworker like that would be like kind of terrifying. Uh, um, yeah. employees, <laughs> All the employees I hate the are way like, he talks, and can I just say that? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So in Keiko's mind, all the employees look at Shiraha as if he's a foreign object and they're so happy to be rid of him. And so she thinks if I ever become a foreign object, they'll be happy to be rid of me, too. Keiko be thinking. She's a thinker. So (laughs) at a barbecue at Miho's the next day, um, an old classmate begins catching up. She says things like only two in attendance or Keiko uh, realizes Mm -hmm. that only two in attendance aren't married. One being Keiko. The other whispers to Keiko, we're the only ones here who can't hold our heads up high. Keiko's like, "Mm, okay. Right. So what are y'all? Right. Let me practice your face. (laughs) Oh, yes. I am ashamed. Mm. I'm single and, you know, making money in a simple job. Oh. So anyway, what are y'all all up to? Someone asked. I've changed jobs and am living in Yokohama. Um, I'm at a fashion accessories firm, one responds. I've gotten married, another says. I'm on maternity leave, says another. And then it was Keiko's turn. I'm working part-time at a convenience store. (laughs) Someone asks before she can finish, if you're too weak for a real job, how do you work at the convenience store when you constantly have to be on your feet? Why aren't you married? What's really going on with you? Uh-oh. I was like, they don't found this out, Keiko. Oh, no. That's a good question. How do I respond um, to that? Um, <laughs> Meanwhile, as he's speaking, I think this is like Miho's husband. As he's speaking, spittle is flying onto the meat from his mouth. And that's all Keiko thinking about like, oh, you spitting all over the food. He asking me about my business. Is standing over the food, talking and spitting. <laughs> Keiko. Keiko responds, I don't have any other experience and the store is comfortable for me both physically and mentally. That's closer to the truth. Mm -hmm. This response, though, is unacceptable to the friends and attendants. They decide she must sign up for a dating app. (laughs) She must be desperate, they decide. They start looking at her as if she's a foreign object, uh Mm uh-oh, as they digest the spit-soaked meat. (laughs) 
on her way home, <laughs> even though it's her day off, she checks in on the store. You know, she just want to make sure the store okay. We'll let the store. When she leaves, she sees Shiraha waiting outside. He's waiting for the woman customer he's stalking, you guys. I told y'all he's kind of dark. Creepy. Okay? Yeah, it's really creepy. If he takes a fancy to a certain woman, he'll make her his, he says. <sighs> this We're only laughing in the context of the book, okay? Nothing has changed since the Stone Age. <sighs> then he starts to cry. Did y'all hear me? Then he starts to cry. Cry. Okay? Because Keiko is like, approached him like, you got to get out of here. You ruining the... um the facade of the convenience store <laughs> and i just can't have that they gonna call the police on you too yeah and so he starts to cry and keiko's like oh no uh customers are gonna see you cry and then they ain't gonna come into the convenience store for real let's and go so over here yeah let's oh that's right let's sit on the bench and he's like They're going to probably think it oh is that right because yeah, she gets him tea it's been a while <laughs> well he's probably thinking oh she cares about you know my thoughts let me pour out my heart meanwhile she's just trying to get him away from the convenience <laughs> store so he don't scare away customers so he starts pouring out his heart mm-hmm. he feels raped by society he says because they're always questioning if he's ever been sexually active why hasn't he got married why doesn't he have a job listen Keiko is like the irony you see yourself as a victim you comparing with you you are a potential rapist <laughs> and um you feel society is assaulting you you know he's the victim with no concern for the anxiety he's called fe- caused female workers and customers he's the victim that's how he feels yeah <sighs> i'm tired Sharaha said i nodded i suppose it is unreasonable to feel that way if you can get them to stop complaining just by getting married, then that would be the simple and sensible thing to do, wouldn't it? Don't make it sound so easy. We men have it much harder than women, you know. If you're not yet a fully-fledged member of society, then it's get a job. And if you've got a job, it's earn more money. And if you earn more money, it's get married and have offspring. Society is continually judging us. Don't lump me together with women. You lot have a cushy time of it, he said sullenly. Well then, marriage won't solve anything then, will it? Isn't it? Pointless, I said, but Sharaha didn't answer and carried on talking heatedly. I read history books trying to find out when society went so wrong, but however far back I went, a hundred years, two hundred years, a thousand years, it was always wrong, even if you go back as far as the Stone Age. Sharaha banged his fist on the table, spilling jasmine tea from his cup. And so I realized this society hasn't changed one bit. People who don't fit into the village are expelled. Men who don't hunt, women who don't give birth to children, for all we talk about modern society and individualism, anyone who doesn't try to fit in can expect to be meddled with, coerced, and ultimately banished from the village. Shiraha, you do like talking about the Stone Age, don't you? No, I don't like it. I hate it. But we live in a world that is basically the Stone Age with a veneer of contemporary society, you know? Strong men who bring home a good catch have women flocking around them, and they marry the prettiest girls in the village. Men who don't join in the hunt, or who are too weak to be of any use even if they try, are despised. The setup hasn't changed at all! Oh, I finally managed to say, but I couldn't say he was completely wrong. It was probably the same as the convenience store, where it was just us being continually replaced while the store remained the same, unchanging scene. This place really doesn't ever change, does it? The words of the old lady in the store echoed in my head. Furukura, how can you be so unfazed by it all? Aren't you ashamed of yourself? What? 
Why? You're still in a dead-end job at your age, and nobody's going to want to marry an old maid like you now. You're like secondhand goods. Even if you are a virgin, you're grubby. You're like a Stone Age woman past childbearing age who can't get married and is left to just hang around the village of no use to anyone, just a burden. I'm a man, so I can still make a comeback, but there's no hope for you, is there? If all you want is a marriage of convenience, why not marry me? Keiko proposes. This is her reasoning, you guys. Obviously, Sharaha wants to be an acceptable member of society, as does Keiko. More and more often, people are opening openingly questioning her normality. Um, is that a word? <laughs> I hope so. I think so. And she sees this as grounds for removal from the convenience store eventually because they're going to see her as a foreign object. And she don't want So she that. has to comply. Mm-hmm. Right, because she loves the convenience store. Mm-hmm. Sharaha is like, you? Ugh, why would I marry you? But okay, I'll marry you. Or no, no, not I'll marry yeah. you. I'll come live with you. Live with him. Yeah. Live with so her. He's because shocked she and disgusted. has a place to live. She could provide for herself. And meanwhile, he living with his family getting kicked out and owing rent. But he ain't saying that part. No. He's just Mm-mm. like, we'll try it out, I guess. Because you must really be desperate. This is how he talking to Keiko when he outside crying this and carrying the- Oh, never mind. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Hypocrisy is what it is. So they go to Keiko's apartment. Once inside of the four walls of her apartment, she realizes he smells, you know, like someone without a home. And she makes him shower. <laughs> While he's washing, she calls her sister and casually mentions that there's a man in her apartment. Her sister is ecstatic. It's like she can finally, she's been waiting to exhale. <laughs> and her, her sister, mommy, is like, there's a man in your apartment, Keiko. I've been waiting for this day. <laughs> so anyway, her sister's thrilled. Keiko's finally becoming normal, she thinks. And she must be thinking about getting married. Okay. Now, all, all she didn't say was there's a man in her apartment. Her sister's already making mar- wedding plans. Uh-huh. So meanwhile, Keiko's thinking, I've never had a pet. You know, this is going to be great. So she makes a little bed for <laughs> for, <laughs> for Shiraha. For real. She's like, let me go get you some feed and I'll make this little bed for you on the floor. Because, you know, she's got a pet now. <laughs> When Keiko returns home from work the next day, Sharaha informs her that his presence is for her benefit. Her womb is probably useless and she lacks the physical appearance to appeal to anyone's carnal appetites. It's better for a washed up virgin to virgin to have a man in her home than go on living without one. People will still look down on her for harboring a pauper, but at least they'll understand it. What does he want in return? She must hide him from society. He never wants to leave her cockroach infested apartment. Now, we haven't talked about this a lot, but it's also full of roaches and stuff. It's like really shabby. Um, And she's fine with that. So let's move on. Mm -hmm. She gives him a plate of boiled vegetables to eat. (laughs) (laughs) Why? Because that's what she eats. Okay. She's going to give her pet nothing less than what she eats. So he's disgusted, (laughs) but she's like... (laughs) I only boiled these vegetables to make them more digestible for my body. This is what I eat. I'd kind of sensed that I was taking in a fraud when I let Charaha come to live with me, but his predictions turned out to be surprisingly accurate. It was convenient to have him around, 
it didn't take long for me to be convinced. After my sister, the next time I mentioned him to anyone was at a gathering at Miho's place. We were all sitting around eating cake when I casually let it drop that he was living with me. They were all so ecstatic about it that I even had to wonder whether they'd lost their minds. Wait, what? Since when? What's he like? Wow, that's amazing. I was so worried about what would become of you, Kiko. I'm really so pleased for you. Thank you, I said simply, feeling a bit weirded out by how jubilant they all were. Come on, tell us about him. What's his job? What does he do? He doesn't do anything. He did say he had a dream to set up his own business, but it seems to have all been talk. He just loafs about at home. They all lean forward, suddenly serious. Yes, some men are like that, but they tend to be kinder and more sincere and charming, right? My friend fell in love with a guy like that, although I can't say what's so good about him myself. A friend of mine on the rebound from an affair got involved with a guy who used to live off her. If he'd done some housework, you could at least have said he was like a housewife, but he never even lifted a finger. But his attitude completely changed when she got pregnant. And now they look really happy. Yes, absolutely. Getting pregnant is the best thing to do with that kind of man. Everyone seemed happier than when I told them I'd never been in love, and they were carrying on as if they knew everything about my situation. The previous me, who'd never fallen in love or had sex, who'd never had a proper job, had sometimes been hard to read. But everything about the new me, the one who had Sharaha living with her, was clear, even my future. So everyone has created a story for Keiko and this new guy that fits into the realm of their understanding. She was no longer an outsider. She didn't have to say anything, but this man is in my home. And they created a whole story that she didn't even Even, have to contribute to. All the details of the story. (laughs) Even her co-workers who, (laughs) hello, they fired him because he was like, a stalker. So Keiko tells her co-workers about Sharaha and even though he asked that she keep his presence a secret, she can't help it. She wants to show them that she's quote unquote normal. I, so it, I think the way that he, she wasn't supposed to tell, but they had some his belongings at work and she offered to take them home. There you go. You're right. Yeah, that's right. She's not trying to Mm-mm. show off. She don't care. She's just like, oh, you're right. She's like, he lived with me, so I can take his stuff. Mm-hmm. And they're like, what? Now, they hate this guy, but they are thrilled for them both as a couple. Do you know what they story even... that takes me back to? What? <laughs> I think it was, uh, oh, ooh, the last, uh, oh, darn it. What's the name of the story? When she was like, oh, he's like the best ever. You're going to marry him. He's the greatest. Oh, that's persuasion. 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 <laughs> That's right. When her friend was like, oh, yeah, he's great. And then when she found out her friend wasn't wearing him, she was like, oh, great, because he's terrible. I hate him. (laughs) So this is in reverse. They're like, he's terrible. But you guys are together. Oh, you're both great. (laughs) And then they tell Keiko, come out for drinks with us. Apparently, they're always going out for drinks together. They're always hanging out together. Keiko has been there for 18 years and she had no idea. (laughs) They never invited her before. (laughs) So to Keiko's horror, they all abandon their duties to the store oh my in order to discuss her new coupledom. So in her head, she's like, hey, fill up the racks. Um, greet the customer. Why are y'all talking to me about Sharaha? OK, y'all, why is this happening? The store. So she's the only one that can 
that truly cares about the store, she decides. When she returns home, Sharaha is sitting in the tub. He was in the closet, but it's full of bugs. <laughs> so he's decided to sit in the tub. Speaking of bugs, he's decided to be a parasite on Keiko. <laughs> when he finds out that Keiko has told people about him, he fears that the masses will drag him out of the apartment to lecture him, telling him to get a job, get married, mm-hmm, have babies. Mm-hmm. And he's like really sad about this while he's eating this bland boiled veggie plate that um, Keiko has handed him. On Sunday, mommy, the sister, pops by. She's never done that before. She pops by. She wants to offer advice to Keiko and meet the new beau. But where is he? She asks. Keiko boils some vegetables and puts them in the tub and comes out of the bathroom and says, oh, he's in the bath. I keep him in there. It's too cramped if we're both in here. So I keep him in the bathtub and he gives me pocket change for his feed. This is what Keiko is saying to her sister. <laughs> with him <laughs> with him here, everyone has stopped poking their nose in my business. Isn't that great? So he's useful. Mommy is heartbroken. She never dreamed her sister would be living like this. <laughs> yeah, she's devastated for mommy. Let's go back to a counselor, she pleads. I'll do whatever you say. But what should I do to be normal? Asked Keiko. I don't know any anymore, anymore, anymore. <laughs> Mommy responds, I don't know how you ever going to be normal. Bro, this is like a turning point in Mommy and Keiko's relationship yeah, in yeah. an instant because Mommy's like, oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> so, but... <laughs> But suddenly, you guys, Sharaha comes out of the bathroom. He provides mommy with a perfect excuse. He went for a drink with an ex-girlfriend. Keiko got mad and won't let him sleep with her. Mommy is like, oh, you're a cheater. Oh, that's great. (laughs) She's thrilled, y'all. I'm I'm mad at you, young man. But, you know, you guys will work it out. Are you serious? This is how she feels. So she's smiling as she scolds him for some supposed infidelity. Um, he assures her that he and Keiko are planning to get married. Uh. And mommy's like, whoo, what a whirlwind. I got to go home to my baby because y'all going to make me faint. But I'm glad we ended like this. <laughs> Everything is right. Okay. And then Sharaha's sister-in-law shows up one day. She's been tracking him using an app that her husband programmed onto his phone. He owes them money. He owes them money. Listen, Keiko said, let me just ask you, do, do you think it's do you think it's a good idea if we, you know, do the things that Keiko is trying to be normal. So she asked Shiraha's sister-in-law, should we have children? And this is a quote I have to repeat. The sister-in-law says, (laughs) (laughs) the sister-in-law says, keep (laughs) Okay. I got to turn your camera off because you ain't going to let me get through this. <laughs> okay, y'all, sorry. The sister in law says, keep those rotten jeans. <laughs> 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 this is, keep those 
those rotten jeans with you till you die without leaving a trace of them here on earth. <laughs> okay. Yes, sorry. Keep those rotten jeans with you till you die without leaving a trace of them here on earth. Keiko vows to take her jeans with her to the grave and to dispose of them properly when she's dead. She's like, Keiko's like, got it. Is that what society wants from me? I'll take my jeans with me to the grave. Shiraha. Okay. Shiraha says, Keiko's looking for a real job to support him so that he can start his internet business. This is news to Keiko. But that's what Sharaha is saying to his sister-in-law. When Keiko tells her supervisor she's leaving the convenience store because, you know, I guess I got to find a real job. So his no, response, he wanted her. He was trying to give this ruse to his sister. I'm sorry. Right. Let me start out. He was trying to get this ruse to his sister where, yeah, Keiko's going to leave her job and she's going to look for another job. And we're going to be quite successful people. It's OK. She's going to leave that yeah. convenience store job. So Keiko's like, oh, I am? <laughs> so she goes to the convenience store that she's been working at for 18 years. That's the only place that gives her happiness in life. and makes her feel normal. And she tells her supervisor, I'm so sorry, but I guess I'm leaving. His response is, yay, finally. I'm so happy for you. <laughs> Obviously, Sharaha's stepping up like a man. Yay. They even gift her a set of chopsticks as a wedding gift. She will be quickly replaced, <laughs> she thinks. She's been there 18 years, y'all. It's had like eight store managers. She's never tried to be a store manager. It seems she's happy with her place mm -hmm, in the store. Mm -hmm. But meanwhile, everyone else is like, when are you going to get a life? <laughs> so when she quits, they are so happy for her. Now for our final part. Part four, a convenience chasm. The store has dictated every aspect of Keiko's life for 18 years. When she slept, when she ate, uh, why she woke up in the morning. Without it, she didn't know what standard to live by. And she grows like even a faint mustache <laughs> after the convenience store. Shiraha helps her secure an interview for a respectable job, quote unquote, to support them. On their way to the interview, Keiko walks by. Guess what? A convenience store. She's wearing her business suit for her respectable job interview, but she can't help but walking into the convenience store when Sharaha walks in to use the restroom. So she like gingerly walks in and follows him into the store and immediately knows what the store needs. She sees a rack that needs to be filled. She sees an aisle that needs to be straightened up and she starts getting to work. The employees see her in her business suit rearranging things and assume she's from corporate. And this is where I become like her friends and family because I'm like, why don't you go get a job at corporate, Keiko? <laughs> see? You see? <sighs> so she even starts responding positively like to the customers and she assists employees who assume, again, that she's from the corporate office. She's refound her place. When Sharaha walks out of the bathroom and sees her, he drags her out of that convenience <laughs> store and onto the street. And you know what she does? She dumps him. <laughs> Yay. Exactly. And she also dumps me because she's like, I'm not trying to get a real job. I'm going back to the convenience <laughs> store life in the same role I've had for 18 years, no matter what society thinks. <laughs> and that's it. The end. <laughs> you will take a break? Yes, 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 please. <laughs> okay, let's do it.
Francis, what did you think of The Convenience Store Woman by Sayaka Murata? Um, What's your verdict? Would you recommend it? Yes, I would recommend this book. Let me start by saying that. I enjoyed it immensely. I love Keho as a character. I love her. She's just very, it's just what it is, okay? These are the facts, okay? She is, she aspires to be useful to society. Who doesn't want to be a contributing member of society? In a world where you have all these societal norms that people expect you to meet, she just wants yes. to be a contributing member of society. Don't and who is she hurting? Yes, aside from that kid, she hit on the head with a shovel <laughs> and the, and, the, stop and the teacher whose skirt she pulled down. She might teacher be a shouldn't have been bit. screaming. <laughs> she might have been a little hurt. Um, but yeah, so she just wants to be a contributing member of society. I too would like to be a contributing member of society. Yeah. So yeah. I um I like this book. I think people should read it. It's a great book. It talks about these norms that people put on you and you we feel compelled to live up to them. Mm-hmm. I was like, okay, yeah, but I'm still fine the way I am. She was fine the way she was. She didn't see like And she tried their way. Mm-hmm. She tried to do it their way. And it didn't work for it her. It didn't work for her. So yes, <clears throat> I would read the book. I would recommend the book. I enjoyed it immensely. Um Laughter with Tears throughout okay i enjoyed it so how about you kari would you recommend this book would you read it again i love the questions that this um book had me thinking about like for example does our does our society accept nymphomania more than celibacy you know celebrities who come out as suffering from a sex Mm -hmm. addiction versus those who call themselves born again virgins how do we treat them You know, do teens feel more comfortable talking openly about their many sexual partners than they do admitting they've never had sex? And does this pressure ease after reaching adulthood or does it not? And then past sex, what are other societal norms? And and should we question them like the need to climb the corporate ladder, Mm -hmm. performing, um, performing a successful lifestyle? In the end of the story, I thought Keiko would like finally become a manager. But was I projecting my expectations mm-hmm. on her? And where did I get those expectations from? I was glad you know? she was like, yes, take me back to the store. Me, I'm Keiko. <laughs> Keiko, I <laughs> her. I resonated. OK. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I love this book. Oh, you know, why are we so entertained by sociopaths when you think of like... <laughs> And psychopaths, like when you think of Hannibal, Norman Bates, mm. even Sherlock Holmes is a weirdo. But um, yeah, what's up with us? Like, what's up with the way society thinks? I won't say us because we haven't adopted all of these mm-hmm. um, beliefs that the ether carries. But um, yeah, I love this book. I love the questions it made me think mm-hmm. about. And I thought it was hilarious. I I will compare it to um, Confederacy of Dunces. Confederacy of Dunces <laughs> without the I crass. was just getting ready to say that. <laughs> but she is a contributing member of society. Yes, as opposed to Ignatius being the exact opposite in Confederacy. Yes. <clears throat> yeah, and I like her. I mm-hmm. like Keiko. I like her. And I know she would never need to like me because she wouldn't see me as useful. <laughs> Marketing? That's what you do? 
And yeah, I mean, compared to her job where she's actually giving people the means to feed their family on a daily basis, making them feel good. You know, that's a useful job. So, yeah, I love this book. Highly recommend five stars. Yeah, it's a good one. All right, then, Kari, what are we reading next week? The book we're reading next week is Salt, Fat, Acid, Heat, Mastering the Elements of Good Cooking by Samin Nasrat. Mm, yes. Cannot wait. Yeah, that's going to be exciting to dig into. Well, thank you. And you're going to make us cook. Yep, we are. <laughs> Cooking. I enjoy it. It is my passion. thank you for listening to lit society we look forward to meeting with you next week thursday lit society is brought to you by alexis honoria and kari herrera support the cause by leaving a five-star review for our show on apple Podcasts, along with a comment about why you absolutely love us because i tell you we love you too If you enjoyed what you just heard, tell a friend about Lit Society. Visit LitSocietyPod.com for show notes, this month's book list, and to sign up for our amazing email newsletter. And until next time, readers, read Read something. something.